If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Fresh out the box. Fresh California plums. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Film Fridays, the podcast where two dudes pick the newest films streaming or in theaters and discuss them. Today we're talking about 2022's 13 Lives, which was directed by Ron Howard. I'm your co-host, Alec. <laughs> oh, I'm Eric. Just kidding. It's Justin. Why did you, uh, why'd you say it like that? Because <laughs> that's what Ron Howard sounds like. Ron Howard. Oh, all right. You never heard him just, like, talk? I, I don't think so. He's like, they didn't have the right team for Solo, so I was brought in to finish it. You never heard him? No? Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, that's what he sounds like. But no, he's a good director, dude. He is a good director. He He's just, like, an embodiment of Hollywood, dude. He's been acting since he was, like, five years old. He's been directing for, like, 30 fucking years. Like, he is... He's a real deal. Let me see if I can look him up. You don't know Ron Howard? Oh, this guy. Okay. Yeah. He was in, like, the Andy Griffith show. He was the lead in American Graffiti, which was, like, George Lucas's first, like, big film. I mean, he directed, like, everything. Yeah. And you're looking through his, yeah, his, like, dude, he did, I mean, Solo, the Star Wars movie, but he did, like, yeah, the Da Vinci Code movies, Frost Nixon, Grinch, Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, Backdraft, which kind of reminded me of this movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know what? You don't know him, or you know him now? No, I do. I do. Yeah, his daughter is in, uh, you know, all the Jurassic Park movies. Uh oh, oh, that's his daughter. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard, the super hot redhead. Yeah. Oh. So I just honestly, before you start, I just want to give a shout out to Jessica Chastain. You know, because she's had to compete against Ron Howard's daughter for every role, probably since like the beginning of her career, and she still has defied all of the odds of nepotism in Hollywood, and has gotten has gotten quite a bit. I just want to give a shout out to uh, having your parents connect you and create the cycle of generational wealth. <laughs> hey, I'm sure that Bryce Dallas Howard just you know wanted to be an actress. You know, she just happened to want to do the exact same thing her dad did, which was extremely lucrative, and you know, whatever, whatever. Anyways, Jessica Chastain, good for you. Killing it. Ron Howard, though. Yeah, another movie about survival. This one's based on a true story, which I don't think Backdraft was, but I could be wrong, and that's very offensive if I am. But uh, this one, um, this was intense. This was an intense movie, but uh, what'd you think? It was good, and I actually have a surprise that I didn't tell you about. Okay. I love live events, but I hate buying tickets. The hidden fees suck, and coordinating with friends is a nightmare. I always end up fronting a bunch of money and then chasing down my friends to get reimbursed. And if they flake, I'm stuck with the whole bill. But then I discovered Fanimal. 
Fanimal has tickets to everything, and there are no fees. The price you see is the price you pay. Not only are the prices transparent, but they're almost always lower than anywhere else I look. And for any hot tickets, like Lollapalooza, or a Dodgers game, or a weekend concert, Fanimal is always the cheapest option. Nobody goes to live events alone, so why buy tickets alone? Fanimal's patented group purchase makes it easy. First, you set a minimum size for your group and choose the number of tickets you want to pay for yourself. Then you invite friends. When the minimum size is met, everyone gets charged and receives their tickets. If the minimum size isn't reached in time, nobody gets charged. You don't commit until your friends do. And Fanimal has amazing customer service. Check out their hundreds of five-star reviews. The next time you need tickets, go to Fanimal.com or download the Fanimal app and sign up with code HORROR for $20 of credit towards your first purchase. Check out Fanimal and experience more. As I posted this yesterday that i was watching it uh, i got some comments and the podcast film rage which i know you've heard of mm-hmm. commented and said that the documentary was better and i didn't know there was a documentary and mm-hmm. it's on disney plus it's called the rescue yeah and they told me to watch it and i was kind of slow today so i i ended up watching it oh you did it's uh yeah it's an hour and a half long and honestly it was great <sighs> it was like really good yeah, I'd much rather. I love documentaries, so I would have loved to have seen that. It's like actual footage from when it was happening with the real divers, with, you know, you see all the volunteers and the Taiwanese Navy SEALs. It was intense. Do they have the video in the documentary of when they first find the boys? And they're like, Oi! Who are you? How many of you alive? Yeah, dude. They have a bunch of good footage from that. They have, they show the kids in there. Um, it Ooh. also goes into, because the movie with Vigo was two hours, 27 minutes, and it didn't feel long like it was entertaining. And I remember this. This happened in 2018. Yeah. But the documentary shows way more behind the scenes that obviously the movie would have been like four hours if they tried to do. Right. That's surprising that they got the documentary all into an hour and a half, though. Yeah. I mean, it was quick. Like, they got to the point, but they showed a lot of things that the movie just couldn't fit. Yeah, no, I definitely want to check that out. I saw that on Twitter. I saw people were like, rescue's better, and I was just like, shit, I don't have time. But yeah, yeah. no, I mean, th- you're right. This movie didn't feel two and a half hours long, but I bet if they shaved off a couple of the shots of the cave, maybe could have shaved off like 20 minutes, but who knows. But it was, um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if this is going to get like Academy Award nominees. I mean, not probably not for acting, just like directing maybe, because this, this must have been such a pain in the ass to make this movie. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how they did it, but it got a 7.8, and I don't think it was in theaters. It was briefly, because they're trying to get it in uh, into nominated for the Oscars. So it's on Amazon Prime now, but it was uh, July. It was in theaters. Okay, I must have either missed it, or it, maybe it wasn't playing by me. Yeah. The, the movie was good, but like it, if you like the movie... Or you like documentaries and you also found this event interesting, the documentary, you have to watch the documentary. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to. I'm definitely going to. I mean, I liked, I liked, you know, the dramatization of it, but there really wasn't, like, anything crazy. You know, there wasn't, like, barracudas or something in the cave, <laughs> like, attacking them. <laughs> like, it seemed pretty, re- everything seemed, like, realistic. What if they just, like, Hollywooded it up? Like, not only is Vigo, like, he's like, we can't do it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, the Taiwanese people are like, we also have bad news. There's sharks in the cave. It's like, cave sharks? Oh, my God. It's just like, no, it's like the demons of the sleeping baby cave or whatever. It's just like, what do you mean? It's like the descendant. And they're just like these creatures. And they're like, all right, this isn't what happened. <laughs> it's like 
loosely based on real events. <laughs> I think this fucking happened. No, so I mean, I do remember when this was happening. Obviously, like it's so scary, and I can't believe they got them all out. Like that's crazy that it actually worked. Yeah, and the doctor goes into detail about it, and I mean, not only is it crazy that it all worked, but I mean, dude, it took these professional cave divers six hours to get to the kids. It, I mean, first of all, you have to be in extremely good shape because it's not like they're they're not just swimming in open water. Like, on the way to the kids, they were swimming against a current. Right. And they couldn't see pitch black. Literally, like, in the documentary, it says the only way they knew where they were is from their helmet light and by holding the rope. Right. And then... On the way back, they had to drag, like, a 40-pound kid against the current and hope that his mask didn't fill up with water. Yeah, and then also on top of it, like, with the rain, like, the the levels of water changing constantly. You know, like, it didn't rain for a few days, so I'm assuming the water levels uh, dropped. But then when it starts pouring rain, you're just like, God damn it. It just seems like an absolutely impossible task that they actually pulled off. Yeah, Uh, but kind of going back from the, the beginning, it seemed like... And again, I mean, we obviously weren't there, and I don't know what, like, political stuff went into it, but it seemed like the the Thai government moved kind of slowly because, like, the kids were trapped down there in the movie for the first eight days before they started to, like, divert water. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I feel like after 24 hours, if if you couldn't get to them, right, due to water, like, why wouldn't you contact the best divers then? Well, that was kind of a big question I was going to ask you is like, let's say that this happened in like the Ozark Mountains and it was like the like Arkansas Razorbacks, so like a football team and they went off and they went into this cave and it got flooded or whatever. Arkansas Razorbacks. I don't know. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about fucking the, teams. The Cornhuskers. Whatever. Those kind of guys. The Cone Fid Fighters. But yeah, those guys. <laughs> and imagine this happened in like America. Like, realistically, I want to, I want to ask you like, how long do you think they'd be down there for if this was in America? Uh, I don't think very long. And I wrote in my notes that there were a lot of issues that the documentary kind of elaborated on. But the movie did a good job, too. So, like, you know how in the movie the governor, like, was like, no one's going back in. And they, they kept doing that, like, all right, now you can go in, now you can't. And, like, the Navy SEALs didn't want them to. There was a lot of political issues because it seemed like Taiwan didn't want to lose more people down there obviously their navy seal team was not equipped like they're they've never even dove in caves before oh my god so not only like the vigo Mortensen, the the real life dude was saying not only is this extremely difficult he's like this was probably one of the hardest caves he ever had to do and then you have to bring them back because you remember in the movie the navy seal team got trapped down there because they used all their oxygen right right so they you know they just added like four more people there but on top of that, I was kind of picking up hints from the documentary that Taiwan didn't want America to be the ones that, you know, that helped out and finished. And uh, it, that kind of, like, exaggerated the length of time that they were down there. Jesus. Well, yeah. So, I mean, and America didn't do anything. It was British people and Australian people, right? Yeah. Well, in the documentary, it shows that we had soldiers from Japan that came over. Yeah, they say that in the movie, too. He's like, I'm from Okinawa. Good to meet you, sir. Yeah. yeah. But they just, they really wanted the Taiwanese Navy SEALs to rescue them. But they, but they didn't, though. Yeah. I, I feel like they kind of put their pride a little bit first on it, but... 
Well, the governor, too. Like, it was his last week or whatever, and they were, like, using him as, like, if this, if anything goes wrong, we're going to say it was him or whatever. So I think he was, like, really afraid of anything else happening. And then they did lose a guy, that, that Sanyan guy. Yes, and the documentary went into detail about that guy. So the only person that died was the Sanyan guy. Yeah. And he wasn't even a Navy SEAL. He was a retired Navy SEAL uh. that heard about this on the news, told his wife that he was, like, you know, I feel obligated to help. Because he's in such good shape, he was like a avid like athlete. Like he constantly was training, and he was like, "I feel obligated to help. I want to go down there." And he was the only one that died. Well, there's another guy. I guess who got a blood infection. They said, but but yeah, the only guy that died during the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So like, let's just go back to the beginning, and maybe you can clear this up. So they the movie starts kind of. I mean, obviously with with like the clay the cave, uh, you know, flooding or whatever. But when it gets to Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell and everything, what are they? They're are they just like friends that hang out on the weekend? That, this is the best part, man. All these guys, all five of them that, that save the kids, they just do this as a hobby. They're, they all have real jobs. Like, the guy's a doctor. Uh, one of the other guy is a, a contractor who just, you know, on the weekend cave dives. Was Vigo Mortensen just like a divorced dad? Like, what is he? I don't know what he did as a job, but he he made it clear. He was like, we didn't get paid for this. This was volunteer work, which I would hope the Taiwanese government compensated these dudes somehow. Maybe they didn't, they didn't have the funds. But yeah, dude, because there, there's no, like, quote-unquote professional cave diver that gets paid to do what? Just swim in a dark cave? Well, no, yeah, but it, th- that just makes it even more crazy that these four dudes that are kind of just like, once a year, we get together and we go and <laughs> cave diving. They're the best people they could get for this. Like, they're yeah. better than the American Navy SEALs. But I guess to your point, they just didn't want America's help in this. Well, the thing is, is, like, this was such a rare thing to happen because even the U.S. SEALs, like probably great divers in open water or maybe even some caves, but like this British, the dude, the Vigo Mortensen dude, yeah, for like the past three decades, he literally would take vacations. Like he was like, yeah, I flew down to Mexico in 97 and there was like this really deep cave that was hard and he would, he would just do it for fun. So like he was just like the 0.01% of the population that just happened to have experience in something that, like, people just didn't do. And then it happened in, in Thailand. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they probably did all their research and everything first. But I wonder, like, was there any other alternative? Like, could they have, like, blown up another part of the mountain and, like, gone in once they found out where they were? Yeah, and that's that's why, if you like this, you have to watch the documentary. Okay. Because cause I was thinking that, too. I was like, why can't they, like, drill through like the mountain and hopefully not like cause a rock slide they were trying that like they were trying to pierce parts of the outside and climb down to pull them up and yeah. they just couldn't get to them well i would think going like down that that would cause a collapse dude apparently like there was just so much water coming in from every angle but yeah. the cool part is is this taiwanese woman flew out who was kind of like dating the vigo morrison in real life and he was telling her about how he, like, loves to cave dive and all this shit. And so she flew back. She had to go back home after her vacation. And she's from the town that this happened in. And so she got home, and literally, there was, like, these kids were trapped, and she called him. Which I don't know why they didn't put this in the movie, because I feel like this really helped get these divers to, to the town. She called him, and she was like, hey, like, they the Navy SEALs can't get to them. I know you're a professional diver. Can you come do it? And he oh. did it. What the fuck? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Why didn't they put that in the movie? I don't know. 
they they could have added like a love interest to the movie. We don't even need a love interest, but like something to like ignite it because it just seems like Colin Farrell is just like you know checking like Google one day and he's like, right, ready to do this, and it's just like, well, I have a job. It's like, no, don't worry about it. I'm neglecting my kid. Let's go, like sort of thing. Like it doesn't seem like they they have a real reason, but that in reality is the real reason, and they didn't even put that in the movie. That's kind of dumb. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. Ninety-one percent of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I know. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Maybe they explain this in the documentary, but how did they eat, and what, and where did they get water? Okay, so I mean, they they didn't eat at all. Yeah, they didn't eat until they brought them food. Oh my god! And they drank that dirty ass cave water. Oh. And the bigger question is: so Viggo Mortensen in real life was saying when he would get to little pockets where he could take his mask off, like you know, like where the water didn't go all the way up, he would smell. Because he, I mean, I don't understand it, but he does. He said, like, caves have a distinct smell, so you could smell, like, B.O. or feces or something. And when he got to that area, he could smell shit because they were all, like, pooping and peeing in the water, obviously. And then they're drinking the water. But then they're drinking, but then they're drinking the water. Oh, my God. I don't know if it was, like, a different area and it somehow didn't, like, mix. But you got to uh... think, dude. 14 kids down there for two weeks. That must have been fucking disgusting. Jesus. So there, there's no food. Okay, so they were down there for like 10 days with no food, which is like, that's like almost impossible because they were all skinny. None of them were like fat kids. Like they're all really in, you know, good shape. So they don't have a lot of body fat to lose. And then they're drinking dirty cave water. You'd think that they'd get like sick just from that. Not even when they start pissing in it. Like just, just from drinking the dirty cave water, you'd think they'd get sick. So... Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, you don't need... You can go a long time without food. You're, you're gonna... Like, they were very skinny, obviously. Yeah. You need water, and I, I don't know, dude. I don't know how they... Uh, <laughs> the dude mentioned, the doctor mentioned, like, when he would come up for air next to them, like, there's just, just, like, poop floating. Oh, God. So. Okay. All right. A couple other questions that I have that, that like, in you know, me watching the movie, I'm like, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Maybe they explain in the documentary. Okay. Why do these kids go, like, two miles into the cave? Uh, yeah, dude. 
I was wondering that too because if you when it shows like the map schematics of the cave, they went they went far as shit. Dude, um, like before your birthday, let's run like an hour straight into this dark cave. Yeah, and I was thinking that was weird too, but like the townspeople were saying in the documentary that these kids are from this town. I mean, from this town with the cave and it's like it's considered like a local playground, so like apparently the kids would just run all throughout the cave. Um, which is fine. Except literally that the next day it was monsoon season, and I guess it came early, which is why it flooded and they couldn't get out. Oh, but but I feel like, you know, the, the coach was pretty upset with himself for letting this happen. I feel like if you're an adult and you're like, hey, tomorrow's like monsoon season, you probably shouldn't have done it. Well, I, I mean, this is all hindsight now, but I'm thinking like... They, they must know the cave floods at a certain point in the year. They're like, hey, the cave's going to flood yeah. the rain. Or, so they'd be like, listen, just to be safe for like a month before and a month after, nobody can go in the cave because like, you know, but I mean, I guess I guarantee you that's the case now. Because but... dude, the monsoon season, they said in the documentary, it would rain like pour yeah. for three months straight. Oh my God. And the Taiwanese government, like when they couldn't get to them after like, 12 days their idea which which i'll just i'll just jump to that part now when they didn't let the the british divers go in that taiwan was like we'll just we'll leave them down there until monsoon season ends and we'll keep bringing them food yeah we'll keep bringing food and the only reason vigo was able to convince them is because the oxygen started lowering in the cave right so they weren't concerned that these kids we're already went two weeks without seeing sunlight, which has to be fucking weird. Yeah. Well, your or, your vitamin D is gone. Or the fact that they're sleeping on a cave or that they're, like, sleeping next to their shit. Dude, imagine if your country couldn't get to you and they were like, we'll just leave you there for, like, three months. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> fuck? Yeah. I just... Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's such an insane story. And it's just it's even just more insane that they all got out. It's just so crazy. Uh, but I guess the... V- <laughs> I know it's not supposed to be funny, dude, but, like... What is Vigo Mortensen? Like, he's not British. He is American, but he sounds like he's, like, Swedish or something. Like, what What the fuck is he? Hold on, let me see. He's born in New York. No, I definitely know what you're saying. He is... Oh, his mother was American. His father was Danish. Okay. His childhood was... He spent... Oh, okay. He spent parts of his childhood in Venezuela, Denmark, and Argentina. So I'm guessing he maybe picked up a little... Like an accent of all those places, little Deutsch accent. It's like, what, what? What is he? What is he? He's like part Venezuelan, part Argentinian, part Danish, part American. What the hell is he? Yeah, man. And the the documentary goes into more specifics. So, do you remember in the movie when they found the generator pump workers who were stuck? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So those dudes were like two to three hundred meters in, and the kids were like two thousand meters in. So they explained that they found these dudes, there were multiple people, and they were adults, and the only way they got them out was they had like this little tube, I guess it's like a backup tube that went to their oxygen tank that they could put in their mouth, but like literally it was like they had to be connected to them, so like pressed against them, or it would rip out of their mouth. And they said the reason they thought they couldn't get the kids is because these grown adults were freaking out, obviously, after only going two to 300 meters because it's pitch black. They said these guys were smacking their heads on the cave, and every time they saw, like, a little pocket where 
they thought they got to the end of the cave, they'd rush up and try to get, like, gasp for air. And then they'd realize, oh, shit, like, I'm not done. And they'd have to, like, reconnect the tube. And they were like, there's no way these eight-year-old kids are going to be able to do this for 2,000 meters. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bard's Clothing. The days of Hi My Name Is are over. We live in a virtual world, and our images are being shared on social media and professional pages every day. With over 1,000 fabrics to choose from, Bard's Clothing is here to tell your story through clothing. Make sure the image you want people to have of you is the one you're sending, because by the time you get face-to-face, their minds might already be made up. Quality clothing all made here in America. Head on over to www.bardsclothing.com or follow them on Instagram at Bard's Clothing. Well, so that's the other thing. So it's like, so basically the plan was you anesthetize them in the cave where they're at. And then every like couple hours you just like, dude, so they're stabbing the needle underwater into their leg. Like how aren't they putting like dirty cave water in with that too? Dude, not only are they putting it underwater in their leg, but it's basically pitch black and there's a current. Right. I don't know how they did. I mean, dude, at that point, like, I don't think they're worried about infection. (laughs) No, I just, it's, well, that one guy did die from a blood infection. So, like, it could have happened. It's crazy that nobody else did. It's like, this is stranger than fiction. Like, this really is such an insane story that not one kid, they're not like, oh, yeah, that one kid, you know, he fell or, like, anything. Or, like, his body reacted to the anesthesia weird. Like, nobody had anything weird. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because the doctor kept saying in the documentary, like, the governor and other officials were asking him, like, very specific questions about the dosages in medicine. And the the movie left out, I think, the uh, the Xanax, so... They first gave the kid a Xanax pill to calm him down. No, they did. They showed that. They 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 show him taking a pill right in the the first before they get the shots. Yeah. So Xanax and then ketamine to relax them, and then anesthesia to knock them out. And the doctor kept saying, "He's like, I literally guessed these percentages, the dosages. He's like, this hasn't been done. This is there's no official like amount. He's basing it off of like their body weight and shit. And like you said, I'm surprised nobody died because one. These kids were extremely exhausted already physically from not eating, and they were breathing at, like, 15% oxygen, which is super low, so, like, they were already, like, probably very tired. Dude. All right. So, like, you know, obviously, you know Dan Houth from Avon? Mm-hmm. He's an anesthesiologist, and... uh I was asking him, I was like, dude, like, how do you know, like, if somebody's just going to wake up, like, in the middle of, uh, you know, surgery or whatever, and he's like, the body gives, like, very specific telltale signs, and, like, we obviously were hooked up to a monitor and all this stuff, but I'm thinking about these guys, I'm like, they're in a dark cave with no machinery, and they're basically eyeballing the dosage, and they're not, they're not, like, looking at their faces constantly to be like, are they giving the telltale signs? They're just kind of like, well, hope they don't hit their head on a rock, like, it's just... Yeah. yeah, there were little things they did, like they said they would look at the kids' hands, and if they saw their fingers twitching, they were starting to wake up, and they would immediately inject them. Right, But right. on top of that, they also had to make sure their head was up, because, you know, if you've ever been put to sleep with anesthesia, your chin is up, so your airway's open. And these kids, they were making sure that they didn't suffocate. And on top of that, they had to give them the injection for anti-saliva, 
so that they wouldn't like foam at the mouth and drown from their own saliva. So it, it's fucking wild, dude. Well, all right, another question I had for you, because I was thinking, I was like, I have a solution, but like, I don't know if this would work. But you know what you're saying in the cave, uh, the reason that they said you can't stay there for three months is because the oxygen level is going down in the cave. So it was. It said like I think there was a subtitle that was like twenty one is what it needs to be for for like normal breathing, and it was down to sixteen. And they also had four more Navy SEALs go up there too, so it's even going down faster. Like, yeah. what is the air like at sixteen or whatever? One of the the U.S. Air Force dudes said life is not sustainable under eighteen. So. I'm assuming their bodies were slowly shutting down, and eventually, with each percentage, you'd you'd, have, you'd probably just fall asleep and never wake up. Oh my god! Um, and so, obviously, with more people, that was happening faster. Yeah. But the the thing that was crazy is it got to the point where the divers told the governor, like, you have two choices: you either don't do anything, which is what they were currently doing, and they said everybody's gonna die, or we try this, which we think is our best bet. And they told the divers. That if anything happens to the kids, like, if one of them were to die because of the medicine, that they would be imprisoned. That's not what happened in the movie. The guy's like, any failure is on me. Yeah. So that's well. not what happened. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys came up to them, and they were like, yeah, like, if, if something happens, you're going to Thai prison. Are you kidding me? They're like, hey, listen, I'm using my vacation and sick time to be here for this, okay? I'm staying at my own hotel, and I'm doing this for free. And if I don't, they're probably going to die. So you're going to tell me that I'm going to go to jail if I don't complete this basically impossible mission. That's what happened? Yeah, and the room that the government gave the two divers was, uh, it had a double bed. One double bed? One double bed. So they were sleeping, like, feet to head. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, these guys are going under immense physical stress daily, and they don't even have a bed. (laughs) That's so messed up. Well, anyways... Very good movie. Definitely should check it out. I definitely want to check out the documentary. I mean, if you could watch one first, which one would you do? I would watch the doc first just because it kind of gives you more background into it. Because, you know, during the movie, I was like, why didn't they do this? And and they did explain in the movie that the government reimbursed the farmers at the end. But when, when they asked the farmers if they could, like, divert water and the governor was there, I was just thinking, like, why doesn't he just, like, offer to pay them? Yeah, like could, can the country know. not afford it? I don't understand. I mean, I don't think Thailand's like that well off, so maybe they can't make those kind of promises. I don't know. And what they didn't mention in the movie was after they realized they couldn't get to the kids, the dude who plays Colin Farrell called the British embassy in Thailand and said, "Like, hey, like this mission's impossible. Can you get us tickets back home?" And they were like, "No." So they Jesus. made them stay. And he mentioned, he was like, I, f- I feel so bad that, like, I gave up. Well, this, I mean, the movie tries to make everybody look like the good guy. It seems like the documentary is like, there were some assholes. There were a few in this whole thing. Because <laughs> the movie's like, every country in the world gave a little help. Even the Taliban. It's like, wow. <laughs> the Taliban. You're like, everyone was helping. And then, like, the documentary's like, eh, we had to share a twin bed. Even Putin. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Putin... Kim Jong-un, everybody was helping out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hey, listen, it brought the world together. Everybody wanted this to go well, you know. So, I mean, good movie. Definitely check it out. Um, I I would give this a 7.8, I think, out of 10. I think it's solid. You would give it the same rating IMDb gave it? Yeah, I'm a basic-ass bitch. Pumpkin spice for life. What up? (laughs) What would you say sounds the worst being stuck down there for 20 days with no sunlight no food sleeping on a rock 
or the fact that you're just like trapped like what's the worst aspect here for if you had to experience this i mean they both equally suck it's like you're 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 stuck in the place because you're trapped so i don't well i mean what what do i prefer dude i'm just thinking of the after effects for these kids like do you think they can turn the lights off at night when they go to bed or do they they're thinking about this cave for the rest of their life i'm sure this really messed them up yeah they gotta be fucked up yeah i'm assuming they probably need some psychological help i mean luckily they were young, so maybe they they really can bounce back from this. But I don't know, man. I mean, do you think the parents just like they, like completely pretended like it was like a bad dream or something? They're like, "Mom, remember when I was stuck for a month?" And they were like, "You were dreaming. I told you. You can't. You keep fibbing." Yeah, they're like, "Geez, how much attention do you need, Arm? Cut it out, <laughs> Arm." <laughs> uh, yeah, I would give it. Yeah, I'd I'd say seven point eight is good. Movie cut out a lot of stuff. Didn't even know there was a documentary, so thank you to Film Rage. And yeah. this story is just, it's so insane. And none of this would have been possible if there weren't, like, the crazy handful of people who just like to be in tight, dark spaces for fun. That, and I mean, dude, seriously, that one scene at the end where they're all just kind of standing around the table and they're just like, we did it! And that guy's like, I'm sorry about the thing with the thing! And they're all just like, it's all right, crazy, it's all right. That all part. I was, like, looking at them, I'm like, these actually are like legitimately like superheroes like they really are like they did something that's basically impossible they saved lives and they just kind of they genuinely did it just to do it like they, they are pretty much heroes you know they didn't get paid to do this mm-hmm. anyways justin you got any uh, last minute thoughts on uh, 13 lives i mean if you're gonna go into caves don't go fucking six miles in <laughs> that's all i gotta say yeah that's that's true and anyways, um, all right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for listening into our episode on 13 Lives today. If you haven't had a chance, we released our episode on Hills Have Eyes from 1977. And on Monday, we have Dead Alive with Robert Hudson as a guest. And we'll see you all next Friday with something fresh. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.